Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Clark Poff, sharing the heart and vision of Valley Brook. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, wow, we must have eaten too much turkey. Good morning, everybody. All right. Hey, and welcome to those online. We're glad you're here. Today is a special day. It's Vision Sunday, so if you're a guest with us today, we're glad you're here. You're going to hear a little bit about what Valley Brook is about, and particularly as we head toward the future. Um, But let me just uh, begin with a time of prayer. And in this prayer time, uh, I'm not going to pray out loud, so I just want to invite you in this silence to ask God to speak to you today. So let's just pause for 30 seconds. Amen. Many years ago, I read about a pastor who boarded a plane in a pair of old blue jeans and a t-shirt looking anything but ministerial. He sat down next to a well-dressed business guy who was reading a copy of the Wall Street Journal. They exchanged the usual pleasantries, and then the pastor asked the man what he did for a living. With obvious pride, he said, oh, I'm in the salon business. We can change a person's image by changing their body. It's really a very profound and powerful thing. Now, he was a fairly young guy, so the pastor asked him if he had been doing it for a long time. He said, no, uh, I just graduated from the University of Michigan's School of Business, but they've already given me so much responsibility that I hope to eventually manage the Western part of the operation. Oh, so you're a national organization. And he said, "Uh, yes, we're the fastest growing company of our kind in the nation. It's really good to be a part of an organization like that, don't you think? And the pastor nodded in approval. And then came the inevitable question, and what do you do? It's interesting, the pastor said, we actually have similar business interests. You're in the image-changing business, and I'm in the personality changing business. In my field, we apply basic theocratic principles to accomplish indigenous personality modification. (laughs) The younger man had no idea what that meant, but he said, you know, I've heard about that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an office in the city? Oh, yes, we have many offices up and down the states, the minister replied. In fact, we're national. We have at least one office in every state of the union, including Alaska and Hawaii. Now, by this time, the guy was racking his brain trying to identify this huge company that he must have heard about or read about somewhere. So the pastor went and said, yes, in fact, we've gone international. And Management has a plan to put at least one office in every country of the world by the end of the business era. The pastor paused for a moment, and then he asked, do you have that in your business? The younger man said, no, uh, not yet, but you mentioned management. How do they make it work? He said, well, actually, it's a family business. There's a father and a son, and they run everything. 
Wow, that must take a lot of capital. You mean money? Yes, it does, but no one knows just how much, but we never worry. Those of us in the organization have a saying about our boss that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Oh, the man said, he, he's into ranching too? Well, 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 tell me about it. You mean the employees? The pastor asked. They are something to see. They have a spirit that pervades the organization. The father and the son love each other so much that that love filters down so that we all find ourselves loving one another too. I know this sounds old-fashioned in a world like ours, but I know people in the organization who are willing to die for me. Do you have that in your business? Uh, No, the man said. Uh, Not exactly, but what about the benefits? Are they good? Good? They're amazing. I have complete life insurance and fire insurance, all the basics. You might not believe this, but it's true. I have a holding in a mansion that's being built for me right now for my retirement. Do you have that in your business? Uh, Not yet, the young man said, by this time feeling like the salon business wasn't exactly the place to be, but can your operation last? I mean, companies come and go. Pastor said, oh, I think we've got a pretty good future. After all, we've got a 2,000-year track record going right now. You know, nothing compares to the church, does it? No business, no investment, no enterprise, no activity. It's the heart of God's plan and the hope of the world. It's the most dynamic, active, vibrant, forceful project on the planet. It is the one thing we all give our lives to that will live on long after we are gone, and not just for a generation or two, but for all of eternity. I wanted to share that with you because sometimes we need to be reminded Sometimes we need to be reminded. You know, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to save us from our sins so that we could be with him forever. And Jesus came and he purchased our forgiveness through his sacrificial death. And through that death, he defeated the power of sin and death for all of humanity through his resurrection And after Jesus ascended into heaven, he and God the Father sent the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, into the life of all believers to empower them and to create this thing that we call the church. And so when the church was created, it became the hope of the world. The church is the body of Christ filled with the Spirit of God, fulfilling God's will forever and ever. You know, I was thinking about that. Today, we are celebrating what I call Vision Sunday. Our our leaders and our elders have been uh, leaning into a vision for our church in the coming future, and we've already begun to enact it even as we speak. So I was thinking about this. When when God called Cynthia and I to move here over 24 years ago to start a church, we came because God gave us a vision to help people know God, and to help people grow with God. And and we've seen God do amazing things over those 24 years. 
And over the last year, our leaders have met and we've prayed and we've sent God giving Valleybrook a, a clear vision for this next season of ministry. And because we believe that we are better together, this vision isn't something that it's just our leaders who need to lean into. It's something that we're asking everyone to lean into, everyone to participate in, and everyone to ask God what each of us can do to contribute to see his vision for this church become a reality. Now, I'm going to share that vision with you today, and it's in three parts, but, but as I do so, it's just important for us to realize that, that I'm not going to stray from Scripture. This vision for the church is something that is really for the church universal, but as we lean into it, we believe this is what God is calling us to do individually and corporately. So the first thing and our vision is we believe that God wants us to reach more for Christ. Our, our vision includes reaching out to people and helping them come to a place where they believe in and where they follow Jesus. Now, this isn't something new. As I said, this is from straight from Scripture. It's the Great Commission. It's the commission that Jesus gave his followers 2,000 years ago. And we understand that it's also the commission that he has given to every single one of us. Now, when we become followers of Jesus Christ and we begin to study the Bible, we discover this in the Gospel of Matthew and we realize that this is what he's called us to do. And that means that this commission is for every one of us. And so I want to read to you that commission just to remind you of what each of us who believes in and follows Jesus is called to and commissioned to fulfill. Jesus came and told the disciples... I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So there it is. Jesus tells all of his followers to go and make disciples. Now, I want to tell you something. There's an important nuance in the original Greek that doesn't translate well into English. In our English, it comes off as an imperative command. Go. Go from here to there to make disciples. And, and some of us think that that's a missionary call to go from this country to another country. But that's not what it was talking about. That's not what Jesus was saying. In fact, the original Greek carries more of this sense. As you are going through life, wherever you go, make disciples along the way. So let's, let's extrapolate that for our lives today. This is saying while you're going through your day, recognize that you have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with others so that eventually they will become disciples. So as you're making a meal later on today, think about how you can share what Jesus means to you with the people that are in your home. When you're at work this week, think about how you can share with the folks that you spend a lot of time with every week about what Jesus means to you. When you're at school, think about how you can share Jesus with those who you go to school with. When you're out shopping this, this week or the next coming weeks, think about how you can share what Jesus means to you with, with those that you interact with. When you're hanging out with your friends, share what Jesus means to you. 
when you're working out or playing your favorite sport or doing some other activity with friends, think about how you want to enrich your friends' lives with the promise of spending eternity forever with God and with you. So as a church, from the very beginning, Valley Brook has been intentional about creating opportunities that will help each and every one of us share what Jesus means to us with other people, giving us opportunities to be able to have that conversation in ways that uh, are relevant and not really sort of out of the blue. So every year we intentionally plan outreach events that you can invite other people to come to and attend with you or to come to and attend while you're serving at it. And these events are intentionally relevant so that your family, your friends, and your neighbors will be interested in attending them. You already heard about one of them earlier this morning. It's the Live Nativity. We've been putting on the Live Nativity for 24 years. It's a celebration of the birth of Jesus. And we go to the local park here in Granby, and we put it together in a way that it may, what it may have looked like on the night that Jesus was born. Obviously, we don't have any historical records of what it looked like. We just have a little bit of what we read in the Gospel of Luke. But we do that, and it gives you a very relevant opportunity to invite people to attend. It's a great way to kick off the season of of Christmas. It's a great way to prepare for the celebration of the birth. And your friends, your family, your neighbors will be open to that invitation. That's why we have these invitations all over the seats. I want to encourage you to grab a handful and take them with you and give them to your friends, your family, and your neighbors this week. We also recognize that this is just a great opportunity for you to build that relationship with your friends. And so, you know, you don't need an icebreaker. You've got this opportunity to invite them to. And that's why we do other events like the Easter egg hunt in the spring and, and, uh, and trunk or treat. But I want to remind you uh, that there are two spiritual realities in each of our lives. First, someone at some time in your life shared with you about the importance of Jesus in their life. And it made an impact on you. It made an impact on you so that at some point you decided to say, I I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him. And you recognize what he has done for you. And that's why you make following Jesus a priority in your life. That's why you gather in church on Sunday morning with other followers of Jesus because scripture tells us that we need to meet together. So think about that. Maybe it was a parent who shared that with you or a grandparent. Maybe it was a teacher in school or a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a friend or or some other relative or person in your life who told you about the good news of Jesus. And it struck you at your core. I think about my own life. I I can probably come up, honestly, uh, with several dozen people who shared Christ with me. It took me a while, okay? Um, but, But I can think of a couple of dozen people who shared Jesus with me. So that's the first reality. Somebody shared the reality of Jesus with you in your life. Here's the second reality. Once we become a follower of Jesus, we are his representative. As a Christ follower, we represent Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, here's here's the deal. You can't say, well, 
Today I'm not representing Jesus, but tomorrow I will. You're, you're a follower of Jesus. And people know that, and so you need to recognize that. We, we have to embrace the reality that we are represented, representing him all of the time. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians. He said, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So think about what an ambassador is. An ambassador is a man or a woman who represents the, the top leader in a country, be it a president, a prime minister, or a monarch, whoever they represent, they go to other places and they don't speak on their behalf, they speak on behalf of that leader. They're ambassadors for that leader. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if you're a follower of me, if you're a, if you're a Christian, you're an ambassador for Jesus. You're representing him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we have to be intentional about representing Jesus. We have to be intentional about sharing his, the good news of Jesus with others. You know, this morning you heard about our Spanish ministry. And to be honest, God led us into starting to reach out to our neighbors and friends in the Spanish-speaking community because God put that on our hearts. God made it clear to us that there was a group of people in our community who needed the gospel in their native language. And by God's providence, he provided us with a team, uh, several families that are bilingual. And, and so when they heard the need and we began to talk and pray about that, it became natural to say, we need to respond. And so that's why we started that. Why? Because we're ambassadors for Christ, regardless of what language people speak. And so we leaned into that. So part of our vision is that we need to be intentional about reaching more people for Christ. We need to personally, individually embrace this phrase, each one, reach one. Each one, reach one. That means, very simply, we need to do this. We need to pray about who God has put in our circle of influence, our circle of relationships. You know, each one of us has a circle of influence, people that we're connected with. Some of them may a little be a little farther out on the circle. Some of them may be very close. But we have people in our circle of influence who know us, who love us, who accept us, who, who want to stay connected with us. And, you know, the, the worst thing in the world for us would be not to share the most important relationship we have in our lives with those people. So I would encourage you just to begin to pray and say, God, who is the person that you would want me to share what Jesus means in my life to? And begin to do that and, and continue to pray for that person and, and pray that God would give you both the recognizable opportunity and then the obedience to walk forward when you sense God is saying that. So outreach is a part of this vision that we're leaning into in this new season. And we believe that we're all called to reach more people for Christ. The second part of this vision is to become more like Christ. 
So this part of the vision is about discipleship. Being a follower of Jesus means we are his disciple, and being a disciple of Jesus means that we're becoming more like him. So again, let me direct our attention back to the Great Commission. But this time, I, I want to uh, read it to you. I want to share it with you this, mo- this time through uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson's translation of the New Testament called The Message. So it'll be on the screen behind me. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in the way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. Now, I hope you noticed how Peterson translates that last verse. He says, instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. It's no coincidence that this fall, our all-church study has focused on spiritual practices. Why? Because spiritual practices help us grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. In other words, become more fully devoted followers or disciples of Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus is, is not about learning more information, all right? It's about transformation, In other words, becoming more like Jesus. And we aren't transformed by taking information in. We're transformed by living it out. In other words, practicing the way of Jesus. So when we gather on Sunday, we shouldn't be asking, wow, what new thing am I going to hear from God's word today? That should not be the question that we ask ourselves. The question we should ask ourselves should be this. How will I apply what I hear today so that I can become more like Jesus? Because discipleship isn't about information. It's about transformation. There's a story told about uh, a famous preacher who had a huge following. Crowds of people came to hear him preach on a weekly basis. But over the years, he became disillusioned with the effect that his preaching was having. While people flocked to hear his dynamic messages, he saw very little change in the way that people were living. They weren't applying the scriptures that he was teaching. So he surprised his elder board when he proposed closing the church for several months. When they asked him why, he told them there was no need for people to come and hear another sermon until they applied what they'd already been taught from God's word. Again, being a disciple of Jesus means we're following his teaching, becoming more like him, that we're being transformed. Putting what we learn into practice is what being a disciple is all about. That's why the apostle Peter wrote this. He said, for God called you to do good even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Becoming more like Jesus means following in his footsteps, living in the way God's word teaches us to live. The apostle Paul said it this way. He said, do not conform to the pattern of the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
When we study God's word, when we lean into what Jesus has taught us, he transforms us from the inside out. We don't need more information. We need transformation. So that's the second part of this vision. It's, it's how do we become more like Jesus? So we want to reach more for Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. The third and final part of this vision is to serve more like Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, we read these words from Jesus. He said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And Jesus served by giving himself for us. The Bible tells us that God, the Father, that God is a giver. God is generous. So if we're going to serve more like Jesus, then we will have to be generous people. And hopefully you've noticed, generosity does change the world. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about when we moved to Connecticut years ago. And one of the first things I noticed, maybe you've noticed it if you've lived here from some time, is the number of churches that advertised events in the public space to raise funds for the church. There were brunches and dinners and tag sales and a myriad of other events. And, and seeing those things so often, I began to sense that God was impressing something important on me for this new church that we were starting. And it was this, that Valleybrook should serve the community rather than look to the community to serve the church. It's not rocket science. That's what scripture tells us that we're supposed to do. But what we realized was that while some were looking to do fundraising from the community, we wanted to give generously to the community. And that's how God led us in that first year when we were only three months old, to put on the first live nativity in the park in the center of Granby, and we've been doing it ever since. It was an opportunity for us to reach out to the community and to give them a gift, to remind them of the reason for this season and to bless them with the message of what God has done in Jesus. Also in that first year, God reminded us that he has been so generous to us that we need to embrace the value of generosity here at Valleybrook. So in that first year, we made a very important decision that we would give a tithe or 10% of all of our offerings to support mission work and ministries outside of Valleybrook. And we've been doing that ever since. In fact, over the years, we've actually raised that to 11% of every dollar. So if you want to know how you can give to missions at Valleybrook, just give. Because when you give, 11% of every dollar you give will go to mission work around the world and ministries around the world. Those that are promoting the message of Jesus Christ. But serving like Jesus through generosity is something that we're not only supposed to do corporately as a church, but we're also supposed to do individually. So... It's something we're called to commit to. So following up on the words of Jesus, the Bible tells us this through the Apostle Paul. Again, to the church in Corinth. 
And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us, bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So why should we seek to excel in the grace of giving? Because generosity is the very nature of God. First, when we're generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure, like God, that generosity is, reinforces our testimony to the world that we're followers of Jesus and that we embrace all that he has for us. Generosity is what God calls us to do, how we lean into that. And so we recognize that he's called us to do that. Pastor Scott Rideout was the former president of our movement of churches, and he said something to me that stuck with me years ago. He said, in the world today, generosity is the new evangelism. In other words, when followers of Jesus are generous in the midst of a self-centered culture, it catches people's attention. And then it gives them the opportunity to share with others why they're being so generous with their time and their talent and their treasure. It gives them the opportunity to reach out to others. So generosity leads to outreach. Discipleship also has a component of generosity. If being a disciple is becoming more like Jesus, then as his followers, we need to embrace the generosity that Jesus has demonstrated to us. Now, uh, I want to thank you. Uh, as a church, you have always been generous, and so I want to encourage you for your generosity of your time and your talent and treasure. Last year was one of the greatest years of generosity in the history of Valleybrook. Now, I want to encourage you and tell you that what a difference your generosity is making. Your, you, through your generosity, we gave over $200,000 to, to missions and ministries around the world to help spread the good news. And we know that because of this giving, that to our knowledge, at least 53 people here at Valley Brook and in other ministries we support gave their lives to Jesus this year. And that same generosity has helped us jumpstart a church planting movement in Thailand where we're training 400 church planters to plant churches in a country that needs the gospel of Jesus. And, and, and here at Valley Brook, your giving has helped us move forward with hiring a director of discipleship to help us grow as disciples. And your generosity has helped us do amazing things. In fact, you, if you receive our newsletter, you heard uh, just this week that uh, we uh, hired uh, Brian Rooney to become our new director of uh, discipleship. Brian's sitting right over there. Put your hand up, Brian. <laughs> Earlier this year, through your generosity again, we were able to, to pay off our mortgage, so we're debt-free. But let me encourage you. Thanks to your generosity of time and talent, 
but the way that you use your time and talent to serve at Valley Brook, you're making a difference for the kingdom of God. You are helping people grow in their relationship with God, and you're helping people cross the line of faith. So thank you for serving. And I'm going to name a bunch of ministries, and if I miss one, I apologize on the front end. But thank you for serving in children's ministry for serving at the clothing closet, for serving on the coffee team and on the fellowship team and on the financial ministry team and on the frontline team and in the men's team and the mission team and the mowing team and at our outreaches and on the prayer team and the safety team and the Spanish team and the student ministry team and the women's team and the wood ministry team and the worship arts teams and so many other ways. You're generous. And also that gives you the opportunity to, to tell people, why you would spend your free time, your discretionary time, doing things for the glory of God and to build the kingdom of God. So I want to bring this Vision Sunday message to a close and, and recognize this, that while this is the vision that God has laid on our hearts as a church as we move forward in the future, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not anything different than Scripture already tells us to do. And each one of us needs to embrace this. So in this next season as a church, our vision is to reach more people for Christ through outreach, to become more like Christ as his disciples, and to serve others more like Christ through his generosity. And we know when we do this, we'll glorify God and grow his kingdom and join, and we want to encourage you to join in helping that vision come into being. When we were during worship this morning, we, we sang a song, and I thought it was such an appropriate song for this Sunday. It had a line in there. Maybe you'll remember it. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll quote it. It says, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. So... With that thought, I want to move into a time of prayer. And I want to say this. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to pray that prayer. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity today to tell him that you believe in him and want to follow him. So if you would, bow your heads and let me pray. Father, as we begin this prayer time, we recognize if there's someone who's never told you they wanted to believe in you and follow you, this is their opportunity. So if that's you, just pray these words silently back to God. Dear God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sins, and today I want to follow him all the days of my life. I proclaim him as the leader of my life, my Lord and my Savior. And now, Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would embrace that prayer that says to you, God, that we will make room for you to do whatever you want to do in our lives, that we will reach out to those people in our circle of influence, that we will seek to be transformed as your followers, and that we will seek to serve our friends, our family, and our neighbors, and the world. In Jesus' name.